Today, I meet with our director of operations, Shannon Yousefi, and she's going to break down three specific tactics that you can use in your business, whether you are getting your license, a new agent, an experienced agent. These are three tactics that you can use that will help save deals and help save you money in the end. We're going to talk about simple mistakes that agents make regarding the contracts that can that can crush escrows and cost you thousands, thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars. That's all on this week's episode of the Whistleway Podcast. Today, we are joined by Shannon Yousefi, our Director of Operations here at Whistle Realty Group. She is a wealth of information, and she's going to help us figure out some simple things to do to make sure that we don't mess up when it comes to our clients, especially in terms of uh, losing money or, or failing escrow. So Shannon, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. So Shannon, before we get into it, tell us a little bit about your background here at Whistle. You started as our listing coordinator and, and grew from there. So tell I us about I started that. as our listing manager, I'm not coordinator. I knew I was going to mess it up. Titles matter, right? I know, I'm sorry. That's my fault. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah, so I started on the listing side um, and was really taking care of all like the stuff that happens on the back end, like the admin-oriented like type tasks that need to happen. Um, for like basically everything except negotiations for all of our seller transactions. Um, and then from there, now I, you know, got a big old promotion a while back, I guess you could say. Um, and so now I oversee our whole listing management and our transaction management teams, um, which basically means I oversee like the people and the processes and the tech and the, a lot of like questions from, you know, as issues come up, things get bubbled up to me, that type of stuff. Now, for a little bit of context for you listening, we have about 100 agents on our team. Um, Shannon, talk to me a little bit about the size of our listing team and our transaction team. Yeah. So our listing team, we do have uh, one listing manager okay. who is supported by like a like an assistant listing like coordinator or listing coordinator, I guess you can call her or him. Um, so there's two people that really work like on like the, the, what I call like the desk type work, like the back end stuff. Um, and of course, as you know, but I guess everybody else doesn't necessarily know, uh, we have our in-house photographers that do like the property shoots and get all the information while they're there, lock boxes, things like that. So that's the listing side. And then we also have our transaction management team that basically takes over once we open escrow with a buyer. So once an offer is accepted, then our transaction team takes over. We have two transaction managers um, that are supported by uh, two international team members um, that do a lot of like the back end stuff, the busy work, the the data entry, things like that. And I asked Emily, one of our transaction managers, and I don't remember what she said. I asked her how many transactions she's overseen since being here. And I think she said, what, five or 600? Yes. Uh -huh. um, and, and then we also have Alyssa as well. So we handle... They handle, the two of them with a couple uh, assistants handle how many deals a year? I mean, all the deals that we close. So our goal this year is 800 transactions. Yeah. Um, so a lot. Yeah. yeah. They've seen it all. Um, there's very few things that come up that they're like, oh yeah, I know how to handle, like they almost always know how to handle it because there's, you know, at a certain point you touch enough files, you see everything. Yeah. And so after years and years of managing files, of you training them, of you getting escalated things. What I wanted to talk about on today's podcast is the, the simple avoidable mistakes that you see come up over and over that it's really something that a, a small tweak, but ends up costing the agent, the brokerage, the team, the client 
thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars. So I want to talk about that on today's podcast. Before we get into that, if you want to grow your business, if you like to learn more about real estate, if you want to join a community of like-minded people, go to thewhistleway.com. From there, you can subscribe to our podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel, join our Facebook group, join our referral network. So as people leave San Diego and we need to send them somewhere, we would like to send them to you. Um, because we know you are someone that is interested in learning and growing your business. That's why you're watching the podcast. And you can sign up for our weekly newsletter where we talk about things that are going on to help you grow your business. That is all on thewhistleway.com. You can also ask us a question. And if you know that video is something that you need to get involved with, you just don't know how to do it or what to do to get started, we have our Media Mayor Mastermind course. Kyle and I broke down step by step by step, very actionable items on how to start with video, grow with video, and take your business to the next level by building deeper relationships within your community. That's called our Media Mayor Mastermind course. All of that can be found at thewhistleway.com. That was pretty good. That was the best one I've done in a minute. <laughs> Copy that. I was going to say, that's a lie. You got that all memorized? Kyle always Dang. does it. He does it very, very, very well. And I do a B minus at best. So let's get into it. Let's talk about some simple tactics that we can utilize in our business as real estate agents that can help us prevent from major fuck-ups. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um, so the first thing that I know, and this is really, really common, like with it's really with new agents in particular, but a lot of times things change. So it actually is relevant for more seasoned agents too, is not understanding the contract itself. Like when I say the contract, I'm talking about the the purchase agreement between the buyer and the seller, or actually the listing agreement itself too. Um, and the reason why is because clients, almost every client has at least one, if not a whole long list of questions when they're signing it. I know for us specifically in California, we are like the king of compliance and documents, and it's absolutely insane the amount of information that is jam-packed into uh, into the purchase agreement. Um, the whole thing with all the disclosures that have to accompany the purchase contract, it's like 27 pages here in California. It's outrageous. Um, and that's just the standard one. That's not with anything extra. So I know other states have a lot less, um, but either way, it's important that, um, that as an agent that we're able to explain things to our clients, um, because especially for the clients that are like super high C, like really analytical people, people that are like, get hung up on the details. Um, if you can't explain the terms of the contract to them and not only explain what they mean, but explain them with confidence, right? Like confidence is key. Confidence leads to contracts which leads to closings, which leads to commissions. There's my little Ooh, alliteration all, all the for C's. you. Look at that. <laughs> um, so like really at the end of the day, confidence leads to closings, right? So you have to be able to understand what all of those terms, because for us as real estate agents, it's a fill in the blank contract, regardless of what state you're in, right? They're all fill in the blank. Um, so I think a lot of people, like they get into the business, they're brand spanking new, um, and they just fill in the blanks. And then someone asks them a question, and they're like, uh, and they don't know how to answer that, right? Because they don't actually read all the, it's a bunch of legalese. It's real small print. It's not an easy thing. It's not real digestible. It's kind of overwhelming when you look at most purchase contracts. Um, and so I think a lot of people just kind of don't do that until they really have to. 
And I will say, and I've seen this so, so, so many times, like if you can explain like, okay, this is what this says and you can walk them through it and give it to them in like layman's terms and plain language that is not full of a bunch of real estate jargon or a bunch of legalese, like people respond really well to that because when they feel comfortable, they're willing to sign, right? Mm -hmm. If they feel like, uh, you're not an expert at this contract, What's the likelihood of them signing the contract with you? Yeah, absolutely. And it, not only will you, you may not get the client, that's another C for you, um, but you might actually get the client and you explain to them incorrectly. Uh-huh. Uh, and that opens you up to a lawsuit, your brokerage up to a uh-huh. lawsuit, uh, all sorts nightmare. of issues. And so, yes, I understand reading through a 27 page document <laughs> is boring as shit. I get it. You, like, no one uh, likes the contracts. No, but <laughs> it's your job. Like part of our, that's like a lawyer being like, yeah, but I don't like to read words and stuff. Like Shannon, your husband's a lawyer. If he said to his, his firm, yeah, no, I'm a good lawyer. I just don't like to read. Like your job is to, like, you need to know. <laughs> he would like, be fired very quickly. You know, law things is, <laughs> that's confusing to me. Like you can't do that. This is your job and it's your responsibility to know this, to protect your clients, to protect yourselves. So, this is something we've seen. Uh, I, I'm sure you have stories that we won't go into, but anyone on here can tell a, a story about a client that misunderstood the contract, where it bit them in the butt, mm-hmm. or the contract save your butt. And they go, well, I didn't know you did that. And I said, yeah, we talked about it here. You read it here. I explained it like this. And you signed it right here. Yeah. This is covered. And so when you get people who go, I'm going to sue you. And you go, no, you put it right here in the contract. We're, we're good. Like, it gives you that confidence, that peace of mind. Um, Shannon, you talked about having confidence when presenting. That comes from practice. Yep. You you have to run through it. Reading it once is not good enough. Reading it once 10 years ago, knowing it 10 years ago is not good enough. I know in California, I think they update it every six months. Every six months. Yep. Um, so again, I get it. It's not sexy. It's not fun. But if you want to be good at your job, if you want to protect yourself, and more importantly, protect your client... You got, you got to know the contract. Yeah. So that's a simple thing you can do. Take you a couple hours, you know, run through it. Or just do it multiple times. That's what I tell people. Like run through it multiple times. Like I was just training um, a small group of people on it, um, on how to like write the stuff up. And that's what we've been doing. They've literally just been doing, like I've just been telling them, okay, here's the terms I want. And they have to like bring me back a contract basically, right? Um, And so that's something that just practice, 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 whether it be actually writing the contract or presenting it. That's what I I would say, like role play it with Mm -hmm. the agents on your team, role play it with your broker or your mentor or whoever, like you're paying these people to support you, right? You're paying your team, you're paying your broker to help you. And that's one of the things that they get paid for. Like take advantage of that. They know the contract. Now they need to help you know the contract so that you can get more deals closed. I would even say if if you say okay, but I don't I don't have a mentor. I don't I'm not on a team. Do you know uh, anybody in real estate? Yeah, like <laughs> like even like this sounds kind of crazy. You might be like Brian, absolutely no. But think about it. Role play it with a competitor, someone that you're gonna go either up against or you're gonna be offering on their business, like. Hey, I'm, I'm hosting a small mastermind and I want to get some, some agents that I respect together so we can go over the contracts to make mm-hmm. sure we dial it in. That's going to build a tighter bond. Role play it with someone that you're trying to recruit. Like you just utilize this and grow together. So, okay. So tactic number one, 
understand your contract. Yep. Practice it, read it, look it up, watch we'll the videos it. on it. Just yep. figure All it out. It. Know your contract. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that will save you money. That will save your clients. That'll save transactions. Yep. Cool. Number two. Number two is not having all of the terms um, of the contract agreed to in writing. The keywords being in writing. Shannon, handshake deals are fine enough, right? <laughs> no. And, and I think even no in handshake deals, please. Like you're gonna hear someone say, "Well, in California, or what? Handshake deals are legally binding. It's just hard to prove, right?" Yeah, that's exactly it. So, like, yeah, sure. Technically, they're they're. They're legally binding, but they're not really enforceable, right? And so I've seen, oh my God, I cannot even tell you how many times I've seen people that like agents that have like a handshake deal or have something verbally agreed to. And everybody thinks, and it's not even necessarily that the other person's like acting in in bad faith or like trying to pull a fast one on you, right? Like a lot of times, like you didn't hash out because you didn't put it in writing. You didn't hash out all the details of stuff. A really good example of this is I've seen this happen actually a couple times where someone has like what's called a post-closing possession, right? Which means that the seller is staying at the house after the actual closing date, right? The buyer doesn't get to move in on closing day. They move in like a month later or whatever. Actually, less than a month usually. But um, but this has happened where we didn't have, there's a specific addendum in California that like has to be made a part of the contract for when this happens. And it literally tells you, it walks you through all the terms. It's got fill in the blanks. It says, if there's a deposit, how much is it, right? Because sometimes they do a deposit. Other times they do like a holdback. All the weeds of that don't matter, right? But the point is, is that I've seen it kill deals more than once. That's This is the type of thing that is absolutely a deal killer because what happens later is the buyer doesn't understand when they get to move in or if they get a deposit or any of that stuff. Hey, how do I make sure the seller moves out when the time comes, right? Um, and all of those things, if you don't have that in writing, it's it may be that the other side didn't realize that you were expecting a deposit, right? Like it's not that people are necessarily being shady. Of course, there could be shady people, mm-hmm. right? But most of the time, I don't think that's the case. I think most people are good. Most agents are honest, right? And it's typically just that everybody's not actually on the same page and it causes hella issues later. Like so many problems. Like it's insane. That's one, like the post-closing possession or like a contingency. If you're adding additional contingencies to a contract, Mm -hmm. those are all types of things where I have seen them kill deals more times than I could count. And again, a lot of our communication is via email or text message. So when you go to court, you got to pull it together and say, and try and prove it. And that's Mm -hmm. scary. And you can lose money. And like, like, well, and you don't even want to get to that point. That's the thing is like, correct. I'm no lawyer. I don't know how things go with a lawsuit more than, you know, the context I get at home. You mentioned my husband's a lawyer, right? Um, But like, I don't know how all that stuff plays out. I don't care. I'm not the broker. That's none of my, like, that's not my lane, right? Yeah. But if you can avoid even just having the headache, like even if it all works out, nobody sues anybody, like that's not some, even if that's not a factor, it's, it's such a pain in the butt to like get all the, then you have drama in your escrow mm-hmm. and you're, everybody's like, oh, is it going to close? Is it not going to close? The buyer's pissed. The seller's pissed. They don't have a good experience. They don't leave you a glowing review because they're mad because it didn't get all ironed out in the first place, right? Are they going to send you referrals of all their, their friends and family? Probably not because they didn't have a good experience, right? Um, so like even just avoiding those like headaches, even if it all works out, that's something that, like I feel like a lot of times gets overlooked because I think as as agents, a lot of times as salespeople, we tend to be like, 
oh, like, I don't know about the details. Like, my TC does this, right? And the TCs do, and that's their job, and that they're friggin' phenomenal at it, right? That said, there's certain things that have to be negotiated up front before everybody has signed and said that they're accepting this offer, right? If they're saying, I'm, this is the offer I'm making and this is the offer I'm accepting, and if the, everybody signs it and those things aren't dialed in up front and agreed to in writing up front, that's where you run into issues. And I, I'm actually going to amend this because you're absolutely right. I love that having it in the contract, that way it's all clear. I think you're a thousand percent right. People have good intentions. They're not like, oh, I'm going to... I'm going to tell them this and then sue them in three weeks. Right. Like th that's not most people's intentions. I would say 99% of people are not. I, I probably see things too positively. Rose colored glasses. Um, but also not only you do, should you have the terms agreed to, they should be specific. Yes. You know, not just like, and I don't, I don't know because I don't, the TC is handling this, right? <laughs> but they should be specific. So that way it, it's not to the point where the, the buyer goes, well, I thought you meant this or, when we were talking, I thought you said no worries about staying extra. Mm -hmm. I thought you meant I could stay three more months and you've said two more days. Like that's way different. Yes. So having it very specific in writing. Um, I know we talked about this this morning. My at church, someone told me they sold their house. They told them that they had a water issue in the basement, but they, it's been fixed. They said, oh, you're fine. They, they had conversations about it. Well, three months later, the basement flooded after the mm -hmm. the the homeowner moved out, the new homeowner sued. They said it wasn't in the disclosures. And I, I don't think they're like, let's wait for it to flood. Mm -hmm. But And I also think you have, what, two or three years to sue at, at, for some Yeah, of I don't things. know what the statute um, is, but. So it just adds a lot of stress that literally they had to settle outside of court for $15,000 yep. for something he's like, I told you about it. <laughs> like, I told you, and you said good. Literally, all you had to do, the, the agent maybe was being lazy, maybe the agent didn't understand. I don't know what the issue was. All they had to do is add it in, in the disclosures. There's been water issues in the past. It's been remediated at this point. The end. Right, That's exactly. All they had to do. Like, I, when I sold my house, and I sold it to Zillow, I, you know, I said, the bathroom flooded. Uh, there was roots in the pipe. We, we got it fixed. Like, they saw it. They were good with it. We're good to go. Mm -hmm. So um, be specific about the terms yep. in writing and have it in the contract. Yes. Not just in a text message because then your phone gets wiped and you lost the text message yep. or the, the, what email was it to or, oh, I did that one on WhatsApp and that one on Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's a nightmare. Yeah. It's a nightmare. So terms agreed to in the contract in writing is tactic two going to save you headaches, potential thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars. Yep. Number three, what's our third tactic? Um, not reviewing all of the details and the terms of the contract with your client before you have them sign it. So Ooh, this, this is different good. than the last one. Yeah. Um, this one, so one of the big examples that I've seen so many times and has happened to me personally, it's an expensive lesson to learn, is things like going through and making sure that, you know, there's usually, in most states, they have like a, a box, a section of the paragraph uh, of the contract where... Um, they can check off a bunch of boxes for like the appliances, right? They're like, oh, is the washer included? Is the dryer included? Is the fridge included, right? And you got to check off what's included and what's agreed to, right? And I have personally made this mistake as a rookie agent and it cost me a whole bunch of money and I was pissed um, where the, the buyer and the seller, like there was a misunderstanding as far as whether or not the washer and the dryer were going to stay at the property, right? And so at the time- the wash and dryer, it's always the wash and dryer. It's always the wash and I've dryer. I've heard this story five different times. Fridge is common too. Yeah. 
Fridge is common too. Yeah. Sometimes a second fridge, eat, like especially like those extra appliances people forget. The garage fridge. The garage fridge. Uh-huh. Exactly. Um, so just put those things, make, make sure, first of all, that they're in the contract. If you're representing the buyer and it's important to the buyer that they get the washer and the dryer and the garage fridge, make sure that garage fridge is in the contract, mm -hmm. right? But not only that, like if you're representing the seller, make sure you review those with them. Like, yes, they're going to sign the contract if they're like they, but a lot of times clients kind of take your word for stuff, right? A they, thousand percent. There's, because the contracts are so long, there's so many documents, they, and it's in DocuSign usually, they click through it. Click, 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 God click. Knows, click. Yeah, yeah, like no, and they don't also know where everything is in the contract the same way we, we do, right? Yep. So like they don't know what they're looking for. They don't know what causes issues later. They don't know anything about anything. Most people, what they sell every like five to seven years or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. It's been five years since they last bought or sold a property. They don't remember anything from last time. It's been so long ago, right? So you can't expect them to know these things. You have to walk them through the transaction and set expectations with them um, as if they're doing it for the very first time. Um, even if it's someone who's bought and sold multiple times, like things change, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I, I think causes a lot of issues and I see cause a lot of issues. What ended up happening on mine is the seller took the appliances, buyer goes to move in on moving day. And at the time we did like the final walkthrough a couple days before closing, it was my buyer. And, uh, we did the final walkthrough, but the seller hadn't moved out yet. Right. So the washer and dryer were still there. Yeah. And so we're like, okay, cool. Everything's good. Whatever. Right. And then. Lo and behold, after closing, we give them the keys and they are like, there's no washer and dryer here. We didn't, we don't have a washer and a dryer here. Now we got to fork over to, I don't have 2000. They just bought a house. I don't have two grand to be able to spend. Two grand is probably on the low side actually, but several thousand to get new appliances. Right. And so that was my bad. That was my mistake. I should have made sure it was in the contract or I should have made sure I went over with my buyers so that they knew and guess who ended up footing the bill for it. Yours truly. Yeah. Right. Like that sucks. sucks. You don't want to get like you work your butt off for that commission. You do not want to have to give it up on such a silly, like such a stupid thing. Right. Yeah. Like it shouldn't have to happen that way, but that's what ends up happening. And it takes what at least thirty days, twenty to thirty days to get closed once you're under contract. How long did, were you showing them houses before that, right? Like it's a bad experience for your buyer. Then they usually have at least five days with no appliances too. Like it just mm -hmm. causes so many issues. So review those things. And same thing if you're representing the seller, make sure they're clear on hey, the buyers are expecting this, this, and this to stay with the property. Um, are we good with that? Are we okay with that? Right? Are you guys? Is that work for you guys? Almost always, most people can get behind anything. They can, they can, they're okay with most stuff if you set the expectations up front. What clients don't like, what no one, no person likes is having surprises like at the final hour, right? Like mm -hmm. you don't want to have, like when they go to move in, there's no appliances. They're like, what the heck? That pisses people off. If you tell them up front when they're buying the house and you're getting the contract signed 30 days prior, most people are going to be okay with that. They're like, okay, cool. Now I got to make sure I just budget for the washer and the dryer, right? But that's one thing that's like, okay, appliances, same thing with like different costs or like different inspections. I know septic is one in California that like sometimes the sellers pay. Sometimes the sellers don't realize they're supposed to pay because their agent didn't go over it with them, right? Or like things like termite, if they have to pay for the cost of termite. I've also made that mistake too, and it was expensive. 
Um, but yeah, going over those things so that clients know what to expect up front and then they're not pissed off later. Yeah. And I like that when you, when you mentioned it before, you said before they, before you send them the contract. So as you're talking to mm-hmm. them and, and I remember the word that I was thinking of, of what conveys, what goes with the sale or yep. what stays. And I've, I've seen silly things and, and I've seen it just through photographing homes. They're like, Oh no, we're not leaving the chandelier here. It uh-huh. was, was 30,000 from Italy. And someone's like, the reason why we wanted this house was that stupid chandelier. Yep. And I'm like, guys, that's freaking ugly. Yeah. Right. Or their drapes or like th- just stupid things of like, and again, it's not their fault. It's not, it's not, it's not your their client's na- job to know what the word conveys means or, or, or what's what supposed normal to stay. To stay. Th- yeah. Th- it's not their job. It's your job. And, and if you send them the contract and they go, whoa, 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 whoa. I, no, I'm not leaving all this stuff or, or like just having that conversation yep. And prepping them of saying, okay, well, we can take the washer and the dryer and the fridge and the stove. I don't know if you can take the stove um, and, and all this stuff. But now, now that we're doing that, know that the buyer is going to be less willing to work on other things. They're going to have to come in out of pocket. You might get lower asking price. Like having yes. that conversation again. You've seen that that this one, this number three, is probably the one that costs people the most money. Mm-hmm. It's just because. Oh, it feels small that. as it's happening, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it doesn't seem like a big deal as it's happening. And then it ends up being a very common thing. And and what I, correct me if I'm wrong, my, my gut says, uh, this is a common phrase that we use, when in doubt, disclose. Uh-huh. Uh, like, when in doubt, write it down. So yeah. like, no, they obviously know they're going to leave the, or take the fridge. Well, that's not obvious. Like, no, it, like it's not. If, if it's attached or well, I don't know. Yeah, there's there's, there's weird rules. rules around that. But like, that's the thing is that the client, the buyer is not the expert. The seller is not the expert. They do this once every every couple years. At that's most. why they're paying and you tens way, of thousands exactly. of dollars. They count on you to be the expert to do these things and make sure that all of these things are handled or at least communicated to them for them to handle if they're the one that needs to, you know, order new stuff or whatever. But that's the thing is that they count on you to be the expert. They count on you to be the guide and, and guide them through this. And that's one of those things that, that you can't expect them to know that. That's no. unreasonable. And people, I think, just are like, oh, of course it stays. It's attached. Your client doesn't know that unless you tell them that, right? So that's that's another one that I think costs agents a lot of money. It certainly has costed me money way back in my in the days when I was brand spanking new at it. I learned that it's a hard, it's an expensive mistake to to learn from. And I mean, we see it, we see it here all the time. Uh-huh. We've got a hundred agents. We're doing hundreds of deals. We see it all the time where they go, "Oops, I messed up. I didn't put this in the contract, or I didn't know this. What's my recourse? You got to figure it out now." Mm-hmm. Like. Figure it out. Try and figure it out before he goes to court. Um, so to recap, mm-hmm. the three things that agents can do, whether they're a team leader, on a team, independent agent, getting into the, the real estate business, been in the business forever and, and, and know what they're doing, these three things are things that all agents should be doing. Understanding the contract. Mm-hmm. Understand what it means. Understand what it means to your client, what it means to you. Understand uh, how it protects each other, right? And understand how to communicate that clearly. So know the contract inside and out. It's not sexy. It's part of your job. I get it. But you I don't think do it. any of these things right here are particularly sexy. I feel you know, like these are this is not everybody's favorite topic, but it's an important. Do you one. know what's really sexy is not having to pay for a stupid washer and dryer. Yep. That you, can you imagine? Like, well, you can't imagine. You did. You literally <laughs> spent twenty five hundred dollars on a nice washer and dryer, and, and it's then, not even yours. And then you go home and you go to your <laughs> one that like shakes all around, and you, you know you got to press the power uh-huh. button three times. Like, I just bought a brand new washer and dryer, and I will never ever use it. That yep. sucks, right? 
So tactic one, understand the contract. Tactic two, uh, get the terms agreed to in writing in the contract. A simple email of like, well, I told you so, that's not going to work. Legal, it's, it's just going to make everyone, not only does it help you in the lawsuit court situation, it just helps make sure everyone's on the same page. So yep. that way it's not stressful and a bad experience. Get the terms agreed to in writing in the contract. Step or tactic number three, review the terms with your client before signing and make sure they understand it all. If this is the time where you spend a little extra time, what questions do you have? So you know, remember we talked about this is going, this is going. No, 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 I don't want that to go. Okay, we're going to have to put an amendment. We're going to have to go back and forth. Yep. Make sure they know so that way at the closing table, your buyer's not walking in, not closing table, at closing, your buyer's not walking in and uh, uh, it looks like they got robbed before they even moved in. Yep. Shannon, thank you so much. Before we go into our whistle widget of the week, if you got value out of this, if you know someone that is struggling with um, this, maybe they just made a mistake, maybe they're new to the business, maybe it's a team leader that's not uh, actively teaching this to your team, share this episode with them, whether it's the podcast episode or on YouTube, share this so that way we can all make each other better. I think one of the things we can all do, and we can, we've all worked with agents that are... Um, Dog shit. I don't know a better way to say it, right? <laughs> um, and, and our job is made much easier and much better when everyone knows what they're doing. Share this with someone so that way you can help level them up so that way when you have a transaction, it runs smoother. Uh, if you got value, please, please, please write a review at on your favorite podcast episode. Write comments in the YouTube channel. We respond to those all. And uh, go to thewhistleway.com if you're looking to grow your business more. Now, let's jump into our Whistle Widget of the Week. Mm. This is something, something that we use in our business, in our life, uh, that helps save us time, save us money, or help us have more fun. Shannon, I'll let you kick it off. Um, yeah, so the Whistle Widget of the Week that I wanted to talk about is, uh, it's called Interface. It's the Interface app. The website is interface.re. Okay. And what it is, is it's basically a back-end like, software connector, is what I would call it. So like it, we have kind of like three main things throughout the transaction. There's like our CRM, which we use for all of our client communication that our agents really heavily use, right? Shout out to Fallout Boss. Yep. Love you, Fub. Um, the next one is our transaction management system, um, which is what's used by my team for listing and transaction management. We use OTC, open to close. Also love them yep. so much. Um, and then the other one that we use really heavily is... Uh, Sisu, which is like data analytics, conversion ratios, all that stuff, right? Um, and so what we have or what we implemented a couple years back is interface.re, which basically takes all of those big systems that we use and makes them all connected and makes it all so that they talk to each other. Um, so when something happens in FUB, when a deal goes pending and is submitted from FUB, it goes over automatically to our transaction team and it gets marked as pending in our numbers analytics. So you can, uh, the agents can see their numbers and see their conversion ratios, see where maybe they need to work on, you know, improving their skills, things like that. But not only that, it saves so much data entry. Like we used to have to do double, triple, quadruple data entry entering things into multiple systems, it's a nightmare, right? Now it happens in one system and it gets updated in all the rest of them and vice versa, right? So if something happens in CSU, it gets updated in open to close and in our CRM and FUB. Yeah, I was so sick of this phrase that Chris, our COO would use all the time. He'd go, oh, well, 
for, for leads management, FUB is our source of truth. You would say source of truth. Every, mm -hmm. Oh, well, CISU is the source of truth. For, and I go, well, what do you mean? They, they all have, the, they all say the same thing. No, 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 no. Everything doesn't talk to each other the right way. Yeah. And it was a nightmare to say, oh, how many new leads do we have? I can pull the number. Shannon can pull the number. Aaron can pull the number. And they we'll were all different. Three different numbers. And I go, that doesn't make any sense. He goes, well, da, 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 da. And I'm like, okay. So what, what, what's great about interface is the connection between the main systems, the backwards compatibility. It's, 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 like, um, it's like Zapier on steroids for our systems that integrates with four. It's just, it's so good. Uh, we are heavy, heavy users of Zapier. I think we do 50,000 plus zaps a month, yep. uh, zap runs. So we're very well versed in that. We tried to do this for years on our own, failed miserably. Here comes Daniel with the solution. Uh, we worked with him very closely to build a system that worked for us, and now he's utilizing it for other people as well. We love Interface. Yes, uh, it's awesome. It's been a game changer, a complete game changer for our business. We would have to have four more people to do what this does, and we mm -hmm. would have so many more errors because there's human errors no matter what. So, Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, my whistle widget of the week is not something you have to download, not something you have to uh, buy. It's something that you already use if you have a smartphone. And it's utilizing the different albums within your phone. And you're like, Brian, I know about that. That's easy. Duh. Like, right. And iPhone's really good about an Android too, I'm sure. Like you can type in places or stuff and it can find it for you automatically. What I love about utilizing uh, certain albums in my phone are, is I like to um, group things in different things that I want to post on social later. So for example, I have an album in my phone called food. I went through all my photos of food and when I, not when I cooked, but it was when I, when I went out and bought food or when we did our, uh, videos for everything East County. So then when it's time for me to post a new thing on social, I just go into my food album and I post it. How you can utilize that is if you're not doing, maybe you're not doing that, but maybe you're doing uh, neighborhood spotlights or cities and you want to be like, oh, I'm in Santee and I'm, you took a couple pictures. You can put that in your Santee album or your Showing Homes album. So that way when you're sitting there and you go, I need to post something on social or I need to show this, it's very easily organized and you can post it that way. So utilizing your albums on your phone is something that I absolutely love to do. I thought I was the organized one. That's like a new level of organization. I don't do that with my pictures. I just have it for food. <laughs> well, and, and honestly, I would do it if, if I... <laughs> I did it for when I wanted to do posts on social, especially on Instagram. Okay. If you want to do posts, uh, several images in a row, but it's over years of, of things. So uh, I did it when my cat died. I put found a bunch of photos of Benji and I put them all in one album yeah, okay. so I can easily post. Uh, I also did it when my dad died. So when people die... That's when I have a new album. Then I go see it and see it. It makes me sad. So that is my <laughs> widget of the week. Thank you so much for watching this week's episode of Real Estate Success, the Whistleway podcast. We will see you on the next one.